I do, I feel really lucky that I wasn't hurt in college, but I'm definitely dealing with, I think, some of like what a lot of college runners dealt with um, if they were super, you know, really injured in college, where like, I'm in some ways, like it's a bit of like an identity crisis in a way where uh, I've been injured now this year for like almost eight months at this point, like came back a little bit, but I'm still struggling uh, right now. And in a way, even though like I know deep down, like I'll run again and I'll be healthy, I think you do sort of grieve in a way of this like losing running and like, especially when it's like a huge part of your community. That is Kira Gary. I'm Leanne Cherick. And on behalf of myself and my co-host, Chris Chavez, welcome to episode 38 of the Runners of NYC podcast on the Sidious Mag Podcast Network. Support for this episode comes from Fix NYC. The Recovery and Fitness Studio is located at 206 West 23rd Street, but is one of the many businesses impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic and unfortunately has briefly closed. Right now is the time to support small and local businesses. Fix is offering 15-minute virtual chiropractic consultations with Dr. Duma so that you can continue to stay healthy while you're at home. Dr. Duma has worked with runners of all levels and members of the U.S. Olympic fencing team, so you know you're in good hands. To schedule your appointment, you can call them at 646-241-4948 or email info at fixficsnyc.com. When their doors eventually do reopen, go check them out because as a listener of this podcast, you'll be able to redeem one free modality session, whether it's boots, cryo, or light therapy to treat yourself. Give Fix NYC a follow on Instagram as they're sharing valuable information and resources to keep you fit and relaxed in these strange times. We're all in this together, so be sure to support them. Our guest for this episode is Kira Gary. Kira is a research data associate at NYU Langone Health. She was a five-time All-American in college while competing for Yale and Michigan. She has her master's in public health from Michigan, and her senior thesis was on the history, management, and anthropological perspective of the Ebola pandemic in 2014. In addition to her professional work, Kira is also a standout runner in the city with her eyes on the now 2021 U.S. Olympic track and field trials. She's competed at U.S. championships in the past, so we wanted her thoughts on what the Olympic postponement means for her own hopes of competing at the trials. Without further ado, here is Kira Gary. And now we welcome on Kira Gary to the podcast. This is our first Skype podcast, so if there's a little bit of a lag between our responses, that's just, I guess, everyone's different internet connection. But first off, I mean, where are you and how have you been? So I am actually in Montauk, um, way out on the tip of Long Island. Um, I'm working remotely uh, right now after kind of like most, you know, most jobs move to be remote and like non-essential businesses and everything closing. Um, and I'm, you know, pretty good. I think, yeah, like just settling into this kind of, yeah, new reality. And I'm out here with my family, which is really nice. Um, and my, you know, my parents are remotely teaching, my sister's remotely working. So we're kind of yeah, all figuring it out together, which is which is nice. 
So what has your day-to-day looked like since you've been out in Montauk? You know, you're working remotely and you're getting outside to walk, but um, have you been able to like revisit something that you thought you would never go back to? Or I don't know, It's there's been a lot of talk about getting back to the things that bring you happiness and reaching out and having happy hours over Skype with friends. Like, how have you dealt with this in your day to day? Yeah, I, um, I guess one of the hard things for me, uh, if I'm totally honest is like, I, I'm not running right now. Um, and I've been hurt. And so I think that's something that like, mentally has been hard because it's always been an outlet but I think it's particularly hard during this time uh so actually I started doing headspace and it's always something that I had heard about and like thought about doing but never actually committed to and I've been doing it like twice a day um as best I can and I think yeah it's something that I think what has really helped me so far, even just dealing with like anxiety of this like uncertain time kind of outside of my like injury. Uh, But it's kind of, we, you know, we have this time that's like a true reset in a way. So I've been doing that also trying to read more. I actually started a book or we're starting a book club, like a virtual book club with some of my college teammates. And we all read like the intro and first chapter to a book. And we're going to like zoom over that tonight. So uh, that's something I like haven't done in a really long time. And yeah, just kind of hanging out, spending time with uh, watching movies, spending time with family when I'm not working. So you're originally from Montauk. What was it like growing up there? So I actually, I guess, so my, I grew up sort of in Glen Cove, sort of in Montauk. The school that I went to is where my parents teach. And so we live in the faculty housing there. And then weekends and like vacations in summer, um, we'd spend out in Montauk. Um, But yeah, I guess um, like being in Montauk in the summers and, and during the winters, like certainly changes a lot. The winter is pretty dead out here. I think there actually are a fair amount more people here right now because everyone's tried to escape the city. But uh, yeah, most of my, like most of my time in the summer was like lifeguarding. Um, We, I did like a junior lifeguarding program every weekend growing up, which was very hard. Um, And then yeah, just lots of like surfing and swimming and running. <laughs> I know. I think Leah is there, right? Sorry. You you've been out to Montauk, right? To run. Yeah, a couple yeah. times. Chris and actually, have, Chris and I have both been out, and so yeah. when we think of Montauk, we think of like a vacation spot and something that totally shuts down in the winter. And so yeah. it's interesting to hear you talk about what it's like to be there year round. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure that the summers are totally different. Um, But what I was going to say was, I think what I've seen is your mom used to run and your dad Mm -hmm. is also really athletic. So was being outside and being active always a part of your childhood and growing up? Yeah, definitely. Uh, We, my dad, my dad played lacrosse in college, but then he started running when he met my mom. And uh, his like first thing that he said to my mom was like, like my mom said she could run 55 seconds or 56 seconds in the 400. 
And my dad was like, not a chance. Like, <laughs> just like didn't believe her. And so then they raced and my mom was like, fine, I'll race you. <laughs> um, and she won, obviously. Uh, but so he ended up getting into running and has done triathlons and stuff and has always encouraged, you know, my sister and I to like do a million activities. So he's constantly going and we're just trying to keep up with him, honestly. <laughs> You got recruited out of high school because uh, so that must have been that meant that you were pretty good. I mean, what was the the I guess like the light bulb turning on for you that track was the sport that you were good at? I think I played I played a lot of soccer and lacrosse growing up, and I think realized basically that like as many runners do, I think realize in high you know, in middle school or high school, like, oh, I'm actually just good at this, like, running down the field part. <laughs> and that's really what I have fun doing. So maybe I should try doing that. Uh, and then I was, when I was in eighth grade, like, it was a time when a lot of, like, eighth graders were moving up to play on varsity for different sports. And for some reason, it was really popular in my high school. So I actually did winter track in eighth grade, and I was on a four by 800 meter relay with some of the seniors and in doing that um I think that was really the light bulb for me where I was like this is so much fun this is what I want to be doing and yeah just from then it was kind of like track is is what I want to do and running what do you remember about those first races because just thinking for me to be in eighth grade running with seniors in high school would be the most intimidating and scary experience ever so how did you deal with that and how did you turn it into this like crazy inspiring positive thing? Yeah. I I think like one of the best things about running eighth grade was that I I knew nothing. I knew absolutely nothing. I was probably just like running, you know, running super scared in many cases and also just just running off of like pure adrenaline really. Um and I remember I remember because also my first season was indoor track, I just remember the chaos of it all. And like, and luckily I just, I feel like the, the seniors were super understanding of me just not knowing what was going on. And they were like, you know, I, cause it was the armory was my first race and they had said, cause I was just looking around at all these people like pulled into a pen lining up. I was like, I have no idea what heat I'm supposed to be in. I don't even know how many laps I'm supposed to be running. <laughs> and so they kind of took me aside and were like, okay, just like calm down, deep breaths. This is going to be fine. Just like get out there and run. Don't pay attention to anything else. Um, so I think, I think in a way, like my ninth grade, um, kind of after that, I had some sort of a you know, adjusting where I started to learn a lot more about the sport and learn people's PRs and the, you know, more, just know more people in the sport. And I think that that hurt me a little bit, like towards the end of high school, uh, just because I think it's really easy to like begin to overthink things about like what we think we're capable of and like what, you know, what our potential what our training's telling us we can do or what we, where we think we should be. And so I think it actually took me a while to get back to kind of that initial, just kind of like running because I loved it, you know? Um, yeah. What was the decision-making process and like, how did the door open up uh, for you to go run at Yale? 
my mom actually ran at Yale as well. Um, so that was kind of how I knew, yeah, like about the school and the coaches, her coach, the coach who recruited her actually also recruited me. So that was kind of oh, that's awesome. Wow. Yeah. And then, uh, and then like the Princeton coach recruited her and also recruited me. So a lot of the coaches had been like around for a long time and that was kind of a cool um, and funny experience. Uh, but yeah, I think like I did, I did a bunch of like running camps at my after sophomore year, kind of junior year. And I think, you know, I think part of me always really admired what my mom was able to do at school. And I did go to the Yale like indoor track meet in high school and she has a picture up on the board and things like that. But it was also just like a lot to live up to, to, to feel like I'm not sure if this is a possibility for me. Um, and then, yeah, kind of as I went through college and started running the steeplechase, I was lucky to have the opportunity to like do official visits, uh, at Yale and Princeton, um, and places like that. And it just ended up that when I went to Yale, it just, it immediately, it's like kind of one of those gut reactions where I was like, this is the place where I want to be. Um, and just was a really special community. So I, yeah, I, I really loved it. I can tell from a lot of pictures that I've seen of you, especially from that time, it's like you show a lot of Yale pride and a lot of support. And it seemed like you went to all the football games and wore the Yale sweaters. Was it this like immediate love for the school? And it kind of seems like it carries into today. So kind of what was that community like from the beginning? Yeah, I think, uh, I guess like one of the things that Yale kind of like prides itself on is that like we have these like residential colleges where it makes it like a much smaller feel because you're living with, um, you know, you start living with like a hundred classmates in your college that are your year. And so you get to know those people really well. Um, but I think honestly, like it was the team for me for, you know, cross country and track and, and the coaches. I think that the, community um like I think some some other schools talked about like you know if your community is like your sorority or your fraternity like our coaches right away were like you have a family that's like built in and here for you and I think that it's um I think that it was just like evident from my first day that everyone was building each other up and you know wanted to had like this culture of like tradition and really wanted to support each other to like be the best athletes slash students that you could be. Um, so yeah, it's like, and, and it's nice that it's, you know, my sister's actually still there. She works for the university. And so I've been able to go back a fair amount and stay connected to the community, which is great. Any conversation that happens with someone who ran at Yale or, or Harvard or Columbia, I mean, HEPS gets brought in pretty quick. Um, and for, like, the people listening who don't know what HEPS is, HEPS is, you know, like the Ivy League Conference Championship. And so uh, do you have any really fond memories about HEPS? And, like, when did that start to really get instilled and drilled in your head that, like, HEPS is a big deal? <laughs> yeah. It's so weird. It, like, feels so long ago now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess, yeah, I was supposed to my, like, five-year my five-year reunion is actually supposed to be in May, but with everything, they canceled it, which is sad. Um, oh, wow. 
I know. Uh, the, so yeah, I'm trying to think, um, I think maybe the first, so like my, my freshman year cross country HEPs was the snowy HEPs, like the snowstorm HEPs. There's like tons of these like epic pictures where Princeton just became this entire like winter wonderland, not really winter wonderland, more like winter nightmare, (laughs) but, um, the girls like, I think like cross country helps just like having those like eight teams like line up and like you've seen each other, you know that, uh, and kind of like throughout, throughout like all, all your years, you end up racing the same people over and over again. I mean, some of my like best friends now are people that I raced against, um, in the HEPs, particularly those who like continue running after. Um, but yeah, the snowstorm HEPs, like it just snowed our ent- the entire race and, was such a mess and like everyone knew you were in the same conditions and like no one knew what was going to happen like Cornell ended up winning that day Yale our team was fourth uh and that was the first time like we had been eighth for like many years before that um so I think to like kind of we had no expectation of what we were going to do coming in and I think particularly as a freshman like to be part of a team like that where we we, you know, we exceeded expectations or like we, um, you know, coming in fourth, it just felt like such a special moment to like come together with your team that way. And I think ever since, yeah, ever since that, that first heps, basically like lead every, you know, even leading up to that weekend, everyone's like, it's heps week and people like throw back pictures and whatever. And it's become a bit, come a bit overblown, but there is something that's like, really special about that environment and knowing that like that all of those schools were were doing you know doing the same thing and many of the same some you know a lot of people are walk-ons and end up winning heps from the second heat and there's just a lot of like crazy kind of anything can happen on the day um which you know does happen in other conferences but I think there's definitely a particular pride that comes from running running in that conference you mentioned it um a little bit before but the people that you met you raced against them and now you're still friends so I think in at Yale you met Jenny Donnelly who was a guest on this podcast Mm -hmm. and you're very good friends with Dana Giordano who does a ton with Sidious Mag and Chris and Gene Mack who used to host this podcast so I always had the idea that the running community was small, but how small is the Ivy League running community or scene? Yeah, it seems very, very small. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, like I remember when I think it was, I think the first time like after college that I ran with Jean, she was prepping for Chicago I think it was fall 2018 or like summer and I went and did a tempo with her um and I like had this flashback where I was like oh my gosh I like she was one of my hosts on my official to Harvard when I was like a junior (laughs) in high school and I remember like going in that official being like I definitely want to be friends with her she would be very like she I think we would be friends and so then flash forward where like we're you know all living in New York um and then yeah I'm trying to think yeah I mean like Dana 
Jaina Giordano, when she was a junior and I was a senior, she like carried me to a six second mile PR. And I feel like that was kind of the moment that it was like, we sort you know, became friends. And then somehow like two years later, we were uh, training and went on a semi training sort of vacation trip to Puerto Rico. And like, she's, you know, one of my best friends now. So I think through, I think a lot of people also leaving the Ivy league, like feel like they're not done with running yet and really want to try to continue it to the next level. And so particularly with races, like particularly with New York city, where like a lot of people end up, um, whether it's like the road races or, uh, continuing in the track, like track or gearing up for trials or whatnot, like you end up just running into, um, yeah, all these people that you ran against are new. Then you have some eligibility to exhaust still, and you choose Michigan. How much of it was a running decision, and then how much of it was also an educational decision where you already had your sights set on what was to come after, like, I guess your racing days might come to an end, which they still haven't, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I think it was kind of, it's kind of both. It was probably, it was probably like 50-50, honestly. Um. Maybe maybe a slight edge um, towards running, uh, just because I I knew that I wanted to use that eligibility, but I also wanted to make sure it was like a program that I was interested in. And I yeah, Michigan has a great public health school, um, but also like their team was just uh, nothing like I had experienced in terms of the you know the number of times they gone to nationals and cross country and like where they finished on the podium so and just like the depth of their team so uh yeah it was like it was just such a cool experience to to take part in and like yeah wouldn't trade that for the world what what did you want to accomplish in that last year yeah so i i only had an indoor season which is kind of a lot of people like wouldn't go somewhere just to use an indoor season but I really just felt like there was more, like I, I wanted more, like I wanted to uh, keep running and see what it would be like to be on a team that was shooting for national championships and things like that. So my goal was to make indoor nationals um, and in the 5k and I came up short. Um, I had run a really like great race in December of the year that I had eligibility and then um, but it wasn't in uniform cause it was like before the season. And then I think just like kind of got a little overtrained. Um, I think actually like one of the, one of the sort of not like down, it was really my own, um, doing, but like, I think I was, you know, really fed into like the depth of the program and how, how hard people were training. And I, I wanted it too much and like praying too hard. And I think that like, there is a fine balance between resting and like knowing when like you're ready versus just like doing as much as you can. Um, and so I think I kind of went over that line in that, in that indoor season. But um, yeah, then after that, like I had wanted to, I really wanted to do, to make the trials in the Siebel chase. And that's, that's always kind of been my goal. So now with the 2020 postponed, um, yeah, still have like, you know, theoretically another, another year to shoot for that. So we'll see. 
how did you find the steeplechase? Because to me, and I'm not, I didn't run in college, so I don't know how that kind of works. Is like, did you kind of find it on your own and want to explore it? Or did a coach come on and say, I think you would be really good at this? And how did you, how did you find the first couple races actually in the steeplechase? Yeah, the first one was horrible. It was like, it was just so hard. And I can't believe I'm actually still, now that I remember this, I'm still mad at my mom about this, but, um, my mom was my coach in high school and she had me try it because it was like some random meet in on Long Island. And I only had trainers, I think. And so I think I did my first like 2K steeple in trainers. And I was like, mom, that was so hard. It felt horrible. She's like, okay, well, next time I think we should wear spikes. And I don't know if she did that on purpose just to like see how, how bad it could actually feel. <laughs> um, but I found it sort of, I was good at hurdles, but I was not fast enough to be a 400 meter hurdler. So I started off doing in our like quad meets, I would do the 400 hurdles and then finish run across the field and do the 1500 and then kind of from that realized like okay you're really more of a distance runner I think maybe you should try the steeple so um and my mom was my mom ran the hurdles so I guess that was kind of part of it too uh so you've kind of like mentioned just like towing that line and then you have to after I guess Michigan you start to have like a couple string of injuries um, and I think Leanne was able to dig up some research and said there was like a pelvic fracture, I think at some point there, uh, w- like how hard did it get again? Like, what was, what was it like dealing with injuries post collegiate? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the pelvic fracture was, was actually from a car accident. Um, I, that was in Michigan. Um, so I've actually knock on wood, um, I've actually never had a a stress fracture, but, um, yeah, that, unfortunately like that pelvic fracture. So my, so I was there, I was at Michigan for two years in the first year I was supposed to use my eligibility and I ran one race and then it was actually at that race that I was in the car afterwards, um, with my grandparents and we got in a car accident. Um, so they like luckily my grandparents were were okay. I was on the side like where the car was hit and I broke my collarbone and then I had three fractures in my pelvis. So Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. So I think and that's actually on the side that I've like continued to have like injuries. So I'm not sure if it's related. Um I didn't, you know, like I didn't have to get surgery or anything. Um it was, it was a fracture in my sacrum and then like two on the front and it was just time for that. So basically I was granted a sixth year of eligibility because of that. And that's when that next year, like once I started training again in the summer, um, that next year I geared up to run indoors and like did come back better, you know, ran a really, um, like ran a really good 5k that I was happy with and like really thought I was going to be in the place to, have my best season um but then I think kind of almost to like overcompensate for having lost that year I feel like that's when I kind of overtrained um and then yeah since Michigan I've like really struggled with injury um I think some of that is like working uh balancing work and and trying to still do this and finding 
that, yeah, like finding that balance of knowing when like your body's just tired from work. Um, Leanne, I'm sure you, like you guys both know that like, yeah, like long, long days at work. Like sometimes you just want, like you want to get it done and um, it's just not on the cards for that day or whatever. And I think I've had to learn that kind of the hard way. Um, and yeah, it's been hard. I mean, I think I do, I feel really lucky that I wasn't hurt in college, but I'm definitely dealing with, I think some of like what a lot of college runners dealt with, um, what, if they were super, you know, really injured in college where like, I'm in some ways, like it's a bit of like an identity crisis in a way where, uh, I've been injured now this year for like almost eight months at this point, like came back a little bit, but I'm still struggling, uh, right now. And in a way, even though like, I know deep down, like I'll run again and I'll be healthy. I think you do sort of grieve in a way of this, like losing running and like, especially when it's like a huge part of your community. Um, so yeah, I, it's, it's really hard. It's hard to be injured. <laughs> yeah. It seems like, unfortunately, the, the thing that you lose when you work a lot and when you have these other, um, things that you have to do is the prehab and the stretching. And that's the thing that you're most likely to say, Oh, I don't have time to do this part. So Mm -hmm. has that been hard for you to then like put much more time into the, like the elliptical or the, all the stuff that you know, you should be doing the foam rolling. Like, is that now taking up all this time that running used to take up? Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, the PT was certainly a big thing that added just a ton of time and but it just like needed to get done and I think you I yeah you kind of have to make concessions where you're like okay like P, doing PT and doing I don't know um chiropractor if that's something that's part of your routine whatever like that's actually more important right now than like getting a 60 minute whatever like aqua jogging or whatever it is that you're doing so I think that's something I really had to learn and and I think in some cases also, you know, especially for me at this point, like I don't have, um, I don't have access to a pool. I can't really be in, you know, all the gyms are closed. And so I am really trying to use that time to like do headspace or do something that like at least helps with like the mental side of being injured. So right after Michigan, you come back to New York City and it's like, you're actually definitely like one of the runners who has like a greater vision in terms of just like, you know, this running thing doesn't last forever. So I could see how like maybe the decision to come back was based on things that were, you know, not running related, but you end up joining Central Park Track Club. And uh, what was like the reason behind your return to the city? And then also like, what was it like, I guess, finding that team? Yeah, I, so after May, Michigan I feel like I kind of was like okay I'm now done with school I have to figure out a next step I can't do a seventh or eighth year of (laughs) NCAA eligibility though I wish I had it (laughs) um so I looked for jobs and I still had still was thinking about medical school that was always kind of my plan in college but I wanted to be a thousand percent sure that that's what I wanted to do as kind of you know, many people have told me that you, it's something that, you know, you shouldn't embark on unless you really, you really know that that's what you want to do. Um, so I, I wanted to come back to New York and 
and also get some more like clinical experience. So I found a job at NYU um, in population health, which is where I'm working now. And it just was a really great opportunity. I really liked the group. And I went, I came back to New York just, you know, just for the job and saying, okay, I'll maybe do road races, but I'm really going to take a step back from like track and running. And then I sort of got here and found out how many people were running and still, and there, how many track clubs there were and things like that. And pretty quickly I was like right back in it um, and realized that I really missed it and, and wanted to at least kind of give it a shot of doing both. And then luckily like my, my work was also like super supportive and they gave me some flexibility in terms of practices and like traveling to races. So it ended up, it ended up being a good situation. I mean, it was, it's really different. It was really different from college for sure, but it's kind of, I think I was really pleasantly surprised by like the New York city running community as like a culture in itself and as like a community in itself outside of that was like different from my time in the NCA, but was like kind of just as awesome. Um, a lot of people that we've talked to or had on the podcast will say that, you know, the people that ran in high school and ran in college and then did another year somewhere else, they would burn out on running and they needed time after college to take a break and kind of have that separation. Why do you think it was different for you that you were ready to just come back and jump right back in? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think some of it may have been, you know, maybe just like having these goals of like, not, you know, of Olympic trials or, and not feeling like, I think it's, it's like, there's that feeling of like, not being done, right? Like I, I feel like I have more to give in this sport. I feel like I have more potential, which I think, you know, could continue no matter what it is I'm doing, whether it's like a road race or end up doing triathlons or whatever. But I think I also just, yeah, I think, I don't know why. I mean, I think I did different things. Like my time at, I think my mentality at Yale was different than it was at Michigan and was different than it was at was while I'm like training in New York City and it came with like different expectations kind of for myself but um I do think that like it's certainly I think that like the the amount of like engagement of like constantly like pushing and being like I'm training for this I'm doing this like I think it takes a toll and I think like I did kind of figure that out in like being injured in a way um and so I think honestly kind of coming back to this time right now, I think I've, I've realized that this is like, even though it's in a not good circumstances, I think this is a really kind of amazing opportunity that I have to like take a step back from everything and think about like why, why I'm still running and like why I'm still, uh, you know, training and doing that. It's funny because like when when you look at the scene, the New York City running scene, like there's people who are chasing Olympic trials. A lot of them are in the marathon, and that's like okay, you you try and peak for for one race. Training for the track trials and being a New Yorker is much more challenging. I feel like there's only a handful of people attempting that. You can look mm -hmm. at New, the New Jersey New York group is like outside the city, so it's not technically like in Manhattan. 
So you've got someone like Daniel Wynn, you've got someone like Mary Kane, and then there's someone like you who's looking at an event like the Steeplechase, which is fairly uncommon, I guess I would say, among New York City Olympic track trials hopefuls. You know, how how do you overcome, I guess, like the, the challenges that the city presents in training for that event? That's a good question. <laughs> I think I think you kind of like make do with what you have and and also recognize like I think you really have to be flexible, right? Like not um, you know, I think as all many of us like New York City runners know, like no track is perfect. Like Riverbank is always windy and ha- when it's raining, it has huge puddles and it's super annoying to run on. Um the East River track can be really uh you know, really crowded depending on what time you're going. And I don't know, I think like part of the, I think part of what I've learned in running in New York City and like living here is that you have to be flexible and recognize that like, it's not going to be perfect, but you just kind of have to go with the flow. And, and that I think in itself, like that mental exercise of like, I don't know, having to dodge people on the bridal path in Central Park, or like having to deal with, getting up super early or whatever it is, I think I've tried to use that as like, that will help me in races. Like that will help me be a better runner. Um, so I think that's kind of one way I've thought about it. And then um, I think just also like leaning on the other, leaning on the community and like leaning on people, you know, like even though I'm doing hurdle workouts, sometimes my roommate, Erica Flora, who's training for the marathon trials, whenever she had a tempo, like I could jump in with her and do that. And, and we would both help each other out that way. So I think it's like, you just kind of have to combine forces and also recognize that it's not going to be perfect, but um, that's part of the fun in it. Yeah. I think you've been pretty open about when it's not clicking and posting about how like, you know, sometimes you're just in a training rut or in a hole and you just can't get yourself out of it. And that sometimes people put out into the world and out on into social media that everything's great and every workout's going well. And um, do you think that that's something that still needs to change? Like, have you noticed that people are getting better at talking about when they're not having a good time? And that because that probably would have helped you a lot to see other people not succeeding as well as they wanted to because you weren't at it at certain times. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think so. I think people are starting to use like their platform in a way that, um, you know, that recognizes that like both are true, right? Like something, sometimes things are awesome and going really well. And sometimes things aren't, I think, I think it could still be better probably. Um, I mean, I think for many of the, like many of the sponsored athletes, I think that that's part of their job, you know, is like making sure that they're representing the brand in a way that, you know, is in a positive, um, a positive outlook of like where they're going. Um, But I think, yeah, I think overall, like people are being more open. I think also even like having more podcasts like this, where athletes are, it just offers like a more comprehensive look at what a person is where it's like it's not just a photo of them like running in a race like there's so much more to that story than than just that one video they posted on an Instagram story or like a photo and so I think yeah just having like a more nuanced approach to like how someone 
how someone came to be where they are on that racing, on that starting line, I think is something that like the sport needs and I think is, is getting a lot better. Yeah. And I think something else that you, that I find really inspiring about you is that you've continuously turned these like really negative times in your life where you're hurt and you've put them into this positive light and said, I mean, at the very least you're saying that it's not the result, it's the process or like, it's not the, you know, the 5k time, but it's the year at Michigan that you put into it and that it was great. And so, I mean, I'm sure that it's hard to think of it that way. And sometimes like when I'm injured, it's really hard to think about um, that. This is all a process. And Mm -hmm. I think where you said that, you know, training's not linear, that just really like struck a chord with me. And I really appreciated that you said that. Thanks. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Um, Yeah, I think it I think it helps everyone, you know, to know that it's not always, it's not always easy. It's not always gonna feel good. And that you can still end up like learning from it. Um, Yeah, but I'm glad. (laughs) So Right now, I feel like a lot of people are in that boat where it's like you kind of feel like an injured runner because there's no races on the calendar for, yeah. for anyone. Yeah. Um, so I guess for someone who, I guess, has dealt with injuries like within the past year or so, like what what kind of recommendations do you have for that that sort of patience in in that day to day build and like training? It's like finding that purpose in whatever you're doing, whether it's a run or, you know, uh, like PT stretches or whatever, like where, what do you recommend, I guess, in terms of just being patient? Yeah, I think, I think like keeping in mind, like what your big goals are, like it's both, it's a having like big goals and little, like medium goals and little goals. Like, so if part of your day to day is like, I want to do my PT exercises once a week. Um, and and then a medium goal is like, I want to be able to do like this type of fartlek or like get better each week at this type of workout. Um, and then a big goal is shooting for that race or whatever it is. I think I've done that with my injury in like small ways where it's helped me kind of feel grounded in the really tedious thing <laughs> that we do on a day-to-day basis. But I think, I think it's also just like, having faith and like believing that the things you're doing on a, on a day to day will contribute to that overall goal. And I'm certainly not, um, like exemplar, like I'm not, I'm not saying that it was, it's like easy for me to do that in a day to day. Um, I think one thing that's also helped me, especially when I'm feeling like lost or like not believing that I'll, you know, be better, be back there is like thinking about, um, the things that I'm grateful for or like writing like three things that like I did well that week um that and and I think like having those concrete things of like those three things I did this week that will help me get to x then helps you actually have faith that you'll be ready like when that time comes so the trials were uh I guess rescheduled they haven't said until when olympics oh, postponed yeah. until 2021 uh, what is kind of like your roadmap and like, what is, what is your vision look like for the next year? Yeah. Um, well, very, very uncertain times. So <laughs> on, yeah, it's hard. Um, I think, so I'm actually, so I'm finishing work, 
at NYU kind of within the next few months. And I'm going to med school um, in the fall. So um, that kind of, that was really supposed to happen like after the trials, (laughs) but now it'll be at the end of my first year of med school. So I think, I mean, I think I feel, to be honest, like I, you know, I'm still hurt right now. So I'm happy that I have the opportunity to potentially compete um, because right now it was looking very unlikely. And I think I'm going to have to take it day to day, especially with med school, but it's something that I'm still thinking, you know, still going to shoot for and kind of see how training goes. Um, But I would love to be able to get back and try, you know, try to run and then, and kind of see how that goes. Um, Yeah. And if I, uh, yeah, depending on where I am, obviously figuring out um, who those people will be that I'm training with. Nice. All right. So we'll move to the final questions that we ask every guest. Leanne, do you want to lead us off? Where is your favorite place to run in New York City? Favorite place to run in New York City. Okay, I'm going to be very specific, but um, on the bridal path, on the west side, uh, on the west side of the bridal path where it's like you're going, you're not quite to the res, but it's where it's like pretty wooded and you go under those like bridges and stuff. I feel like, especially in the summer when the trees are everywhere, like you can, it it doesn't feel like you're in New York anymore. Um, So I kind of love that part. What's your ideal day look like in New York City? Ideal day, okay. I think it would be meeting a bunch of fellow New York City runners um, in the park for a long run, doing some combination of Central Park, West Side Highway, uh, long run, and then doing brunch with my roommates and... Um, maybe walking around the park after, um, just hanging out, maybe on a rooftop somewhere outside. <laughs> Probably ice cream as well. Van Leeuwen ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a great addition. <laughs> yeah. Um, where is your favorite place to get a slice in New York City of pizza, if that wasn't clear? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the clarification. Uh-huh. <laughs> Like of cake, of pie, whatever you want. <laughs> I'm okay. There's a a place near me on the Upper West Side called Saba's, and they have a vodka slice. Um, and Rob, Rob, uh, my boyfriend, Rob Napolitano. You said to introduce people, so <laughs> <laughs> his name is Rob Napolitano. Um, yeah, we found we found uh, that pizza place, and we're obsessed. It's so good. Uh, what's your favorite mi- movie based in New York City? Hmm. I might go with Home Alone. Yes, that's a great answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Home Alone 2 is... Also, my Home sister Alone is in the room, and she just looks <laughs> like, seriously, that's your answer? <laughs> <laughs> I forget that what that's based in New York. I picked the Olsen Twins, New York Minute, for sure. <laughs> Mary Kane Ashley. It's the best one when they're wearing the t-shirts. I don't think I've seen that one. Yes, you have. watched it all the time. 
movie <laughs> night. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got so much time to kill. All right. Last one is final words of wisdom you want to share with our listeners about, I guess what, I mean, you've, you've hit, you've hit on this before already, but I guess like, what does the New York city running community mean to you? Yeah. The New York city running community to me is this like diverse group of, of crazy, inspirational, motivated, um, busy people who like are all trying to do the same thing and yet we can come together and like enjoy each other's company and I think being able to run into someone you know in a city as big as New York um which happens you know all the time with like this community is like such a special thing that makes the biggest city feel like home you know feel like a small place well said uh all right so I I think that, that's kind of all we've got. Just a, I guess, like a reminder to everyone to wash their hands, stay six <laughs> yeah, feet apart, and be safe for the most part. Kira, thanks so much for, for taking the time to do this yeah, with us. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. I really appreciate it. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Many thanks to Kira for chatting with us over Skype. A reminder that support for the show comes from the FIX team. Make sure to visit them at 206 West 23rd Street when they reopen. You'll be able to get in the boots or cryo for free if you tell them that you're a Runners of NYC podcast listener. For now, give them a follow on Instagram, at FixNYC, since they're sharing lots of valuable information about how to stay healthy and fit from the comfort of your home. Some people have asked how they can support us. If you're feeling generous and want to keep the podcast coming along, we've got merchandise that you can purchase. Whether it's a t-shirt or a hoodie, you can show your love for the podcast by hitting the merch tab on SidiousMag.com and picking up some gear. We also appreciate it when you leave a review on Apple Podcasts or shout us out in your Instagram stories. This helps new people discover the show, plus it lets us know you're still listening to these things. That does it for this episode. I'm your host, Leanne Sherrick, and on behalf of my co-host, Chris Chavez, we'll see you again soon. Stay home and stay safe.